0: Let's just see if we can recap them real quickly. A, a healthy church has to be founded upon Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, okay? That was the first part. has to be built upon Christ Himself. Not traditions and theories, and it has to be built upon the Lord. Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if any man builds upon that foundation... All right, and that's how we're to build. Secondly, uh, the the, a healthy church has to be doctrinally sound or biblical. We can't be all over the place with our doctrine. It matters to the Lord. It matters what we believe, and it matters that we live what we believe, and it matters that we believe the truth, that we believe the Word of God rightly divided, not just getting off on into left field or some out of balance with our doctrine or even into false doctrine. Thirdly. a, church, a healthy church has to be led by the Holy Spirit. It, we need to be led by the Lord. In all of the decisions we make and so forth, we need to be led by God in those decisions. We can't be led just by a man or an opinion of men or something like that. Even good men. We have to be led by the Lord. And the fourth part, and I'm thanking the Lord to help you remember all these. Last, last time, two weeks ago, was a, a healthy church has to be a church of prayer. We have to be a people of prayer. And if we had just come out of that, that little time of prayer and fasting as a, in a church, and Sunday night prayer meetings are important, I encourage you to come tonight. I encourage you to come with the Word. I, I encourage you to come when you hit the doors being ready to pray. Uh, that we're not just going to... Nothing wrong with it, but we're not just going to come in fellowship for the first 15 minutes and then pray for five. We're going to come together ready to pray and we'll have a little time of fellowship afterwards. But a healthy church has to be a praying church, and and I'm gonna I want you to turn, if you would, to First Timothy chapter three. This is where we're gonna begin this morning. First Timothy chapter three, verse fifteen. First Timothy three fifteen. Paul says, "But if I tarry long, that thou mayest." Know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. He says, He's saying to his, his young disciple, Timothy, who's the pastor at the church of Ephesus, if I'm Terry Long and can't get there to you, I want you to know how you should behave yourself in the house of God. There's a way that we're to live. And he says specifically, the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, the definition of church, if you look it up in the Bible, and this is what we're talking about, a healthy church, okay? Um, there's two definitions when I, when I read from the Greek on this specific word, church. It's a community of, or of members on earth or saints in heaven. And the second definition is the one I want us to talk about today. The second defi- definition is simply this, a calling out. A calling out if we're going to be a healthy church we need to be called out we need to be separated unto the Lord if we're going to be healthy strong believers that rightly represent the Lord we have to be called out individually our family our our church certainly he's called us out and I just want to uh, give you some some thoughts you just said you you't have to turn to any scriptures at this time but I began to think and you could probably add 50 others to this list. But I begin to think about when the Lord called um, Noah. He called Noah out of the corruption of his day. It says the Lord looked and He saw that the whole earth had basically defiled itself. All flesh had defiled itself with sin. And He said, but Noah, He found righteous in His eyes. Noah found grace with the Lord. And the Lord called him out, didn't he? He called Noah. He did it in a unique way, but he called Noah and his family out of the moral corruption of his day. And I just wanted to read this verse. Just listen. And the Lord said unto Noah, this is Genesis 7, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. So there was a calling out, wasn't there? There was a calling out. Uh, even though this was long before the church exact, you know, technically was established, the Church of Jesus Christ, there's always been followers of God. There's always been people of God. The faithful of all the ages. And the Lord has always called His people to be separate and separated us out, not in an arrogance and a pride. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. But there is a separation and it's supposed to be there. And it's okay. In fact, it's necessary. But He called Noah, out of all the people on the planet, Noah and his family, and He says, Come down in all thy house into the ark. I'm getting you all over here. Now remember, He was a preacher of righteousness. The Bible tells us in other passages, you get more of the puzzle, I guess, of of Noah from other Scriptures. But in the 120 years of building the ark, He was a preacher of righteousness. Nobody was listening. Okay, Nobody gave heed, and they didn't get on the ark they could have. That ark would be a representation of Christ Himself. There's salvation and safety in the ark, and all the rest of the world is damned and doomed outside of Christ. It's simple. It's not confusing. People may not like it, but that is the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by Me. The Bible makes no apologies for that, nor should it. And so He's calling His men to be separate. Abraham the Bible says of him, Now the Lord said unto him, This is chapter 12 of Genesis, Unto Abram, get thee out. So you see, there's a calling out. Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. What is he doing? He's calling him out, he's separating him. Okay? And, and everybody that's going to follow the Lord and walk with the Lord, there's going to be a separation that God wants to be there. That He's going to, to have to be there. If we're going to be a healthy church, that has to be in our church as well. When I think about Lot, okay, in Genesis chapter 19, Abraham, Abraham's nephew that had chosen... Now the man was righteous. The Bible calls him righteous in the sense that he was just. He was not a partaker of the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. But he made a choice. When he had a free choice to live wherever he wanted, the whole land was before him, he made a choice to go down there near Sodom. And then by the time we see the angels going to get him out, he's in Sodom. Okay, And I know this is not a whole sermon on that, but the point is that the man, though he was, did not participate in the sins of that society, he compromised himself, and the Lord had to forcibly grab him out. Just listen to this. And the men that said unto Lot... These are actually angels that the Lord sent to Sodom to get him out of there. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou any here besides, son-in-law, and thy sons and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in thy city, bring them out of this place. Separation, right? A separation. For for we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So he's making a separation. Daniel, when he was a young man, I don't know exactly the age he was, when he was taken captive to Babylon, right? When the Babylonians took over Israel and Judah, and he was from that uh, more royal lineage uh, of Judah, and he was taken with some companions of his, he's not with his parents or anything like that, or his priest or anything like that. He was taken as a prisoner, as a young man without his family. And the Bible says on the way there, he knew what it was like. Babylon had a reputation, okay? It, it would be like uh, bigger than this, of course, but like uh, Las Vegas or something where, where there was sin and idolatry and everything uh, that was not of the Lord going on there. And here's this young man. It says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. What is he saying here? There was going to be a separation. It's a choice he made. I know where I'm physically going. I don't have a choice about that. This is where the Lord's allowing me to be taken captive. And, but I have a choice of entering in to that, what's going on there. And I choose to purpose in my heart to be separated unto the Lord. And we see this over and over in the scriptures. We see in the New Testament. We see it with the rapture of the church that the Lord's going to call us out, out of here. And I love this. In uh, in Revelation, Revelation chapter eleven. Just listen. You know that the, the account that's given to the two witnesses, right? They stand before the Lord day and night, and halfway through the tribulation, God is going to send them to, to prophesy, and to speak the truth. There are several testimonies of the Lord going on during the tribulation on the earth. We've got angels flying through the atmosphere. There's 144,000 saved Jewish young Christian men. 12,000 each tribes, and there's these two witnesses. And they are are going to be proclaiming uh, the truth. And if anybody comes against them, the spirit of Antichrist, through a person or an officer or whatever is trying to kill them to shut them up, uh, fire goes out of their mouth and they're able to defend themselves and consume whoever comes against them. It's going to be a remarkable thing. But the Lord, when their time is done, the Lord lets the enemy overcome them. OK, but listen to this after three and a half days, then they're laying dead in the streets of Jerusalem and people actually giving presents to one another. They're so excited. This is how ungodly the world is at this time. I'm glad we're going to be raptured before that. Amen. But but the point is, this is the ungodliness. They're actually celebrating. Hey, Peter, let me give you this present. Those two prophets that tormented us day and night are dead. We finally killed them. And it says, and after three and a half days, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet. Who's got the victory in this? Mm-hmm. And great fear fell upon all them which saw them, and they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up here. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. There was a separation. There was a calling out. There's a little mini rapture that just took place right there in that scripture. We could go on and on through the Bible, but if we are going to be a healthy church and you're going to be a strong Christian and I'm going to be a strong Christian and, and live a life that rightly represents the Lord and glorifies the Lord, then we have to be separated unto God. If we're so mixed and mingled into a lost world and a lost world system to where no one can distinguish who belongs to Christ or not. Is Chris Wilcox, is he really saved? And they're looking and they're wondering. We need to live in such a way that it's a no doubt. I, notice I said live in such a way. I don't just mean our words. It's wonderful and we need to share the Gospel. okay? But we need to live for God. We need to live for God privately and we need to live for God publicly and we come together the way we worship needs to be holy. The way we treat one another needs to be in love. And this is something that the world takes note of. And it represents a healthy church separated unto the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us and rose again. Separated from the sin and the darkness and the unbelief that characterizes this world and this age in which we live. Separated from it. It does not mean, I said earlier, that we have an attitude of superiority that we're looking down our noses at a lost world, thinking that we're better than them. We ought to have compassion on them. Jesus was moved with compassion. When He saw the multitudes of people, He was moved with compassion. They were like sheep having no shepherd. Well, He's the good shepherd. He wanted to, them to know that. Well, we're the salt of the earth and light of the world. And, he, and we need to live that way. So again, it's not an arrogance. We're separated to the, unto the Lord and from the darkness and the sin. In a biblical way. You understand what I mean? We're separated in a biblical way. We're not talking about just going off and being a hermit somewhere and saying, Oh, you know, I, I just live so separated. I live by myself out in the woods back behind my house, okay, up or some mountaintop in Tennessee. That's just not the life that the Lord's called us to to say, Well, look, I'm separated. You know, I don't watch TV and so I don't what I don't listen to bad music and I don't listen to dirty jokes and, and I don't smoke and drink and cuss. There's more than that, y'all. We're in the world, we're not of the world. And so that separation is to be uh, in a biblical way. Okay? In a biblical way, in a Christ-like way, in a way that our Lord lived when he was here on the earth. Now I know we're not Jesus, we're not dying on the cross for the sins of the world. He's the unique Son of God. But Christ-like in the way that we interact with the lost world, in our singleness of mind and singleness of purpose. I always think about Jesus, y'all. At every point through His life, He knew what He was here for. And He was not going to allow Himself to be sidetracked. He was not going to get entangled with the things of this life. He was not going to let them make him king. The Jews popular. We've said it before. There's times Jesus was very popular. Okay, he's healing people and feeding the multitudes. This guy's great. He must be the one. Let's make him king of Israel right now. No, all the way before him, he sees a cross. That's where I'm going. He came to be the uh, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. And so we need to be that way, separate unto the Lord in that sense as well with the purpose for our life. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4.2, he says, Now no man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who's called him to be a soldier. He says we're soldiers of Jesus Christ right before that. And so we can't entangle ourselves with the affairs of this life. I can't be overcome to where my my greatest concerns are the majority of my concerns are fifty percent of my concerns and what steers my life is is this life and how I get ahead in this life and so forth. It has to be the Lord. It has to be the Lord. God will give you success where He's planted you, if you'll keep your eyes upon Him and be separated unto the Lord. Okay, He I promise He will do that. He's faithful, and so. Um, he, he saved us. He washed us. Born again men and women and young people are to be separated unto the Lord. We're new creatures in Christ. I'm not talking about those that are Christian in name only. And there are people like that. Maybe at some point in your life you were that way. You know, Christian in name only, but you didn't really know the Lord. I'm talking about people that are really saved. The Bible says that we're new creatures in Christ. And so we're, we're forgiven and we're free from the bondage of sin and the slavery of sin. There's a separation right there. The world is not. The world can be. They can come to trust in the same Savior that you trusted in. But they need to see there's a difference in your life. So if, if I'm still all entangled up in sin, they're going to say, what are you telling me about Jesus for? Are you worse than I am. Or as bad as I am. Okay. And so there has to be a difference. And God's called us out. There's a difference uh, in a separation in our morals. Morally, we're different. We are to be different. Not necessarily physically. Okay? Uh, I've said it uh, many times. You might be in a crowd of people or at work or at school or wherever you are around a lot of lost people. Physically, literally rubbing elbows with people that don't know Jesus. It might be involved in all kinds of darkness and sin and bondage to sin. Or they just might be good old boys and they're just lost, okay? Lost as a goose. Don't know Jesus. We're around people like this all the time. And yet, in our heart of hearts and morally and spiritually, we can be a million miles apart. I believe that. I do not have to enter in into their mindset, into their conversations, into their goals and pursuits and what moves them and doesn't move them. I'm going to be led... And you and I need to be led by the Lord who saved us. He purchased us with His own blood. We belong to Him. So therefore, we're separated in our allegiance and devotion is different. They might be devoted to themselves. They might be devoted to something good. It's not necessarily wicked like their country or their job or their family. And those things are not bad in and of themselves. But we have to be fully devoted to the Lord, our first love. And to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind. Our home is different. Y'all we're separated because we're going to a different place. We talked about it Wednesday night in our study in, in Hebrews. We're strangers and pilgrims. Strangers means you're in a foreign land. Pilgrim means you're there temporarily. You're not there for long. And Christians are both. Strangers and pilgrims. So we're separated in that sense, even though we live right here in Baton Rouge. Okay, or right in this area. And so but we're separated in our hearts, our future, our hope, our life. It's different. It's supposed to be different. And don't you, and I, I'm telling, say that to myself as well, try to make to, to bridge that gap. And here's the world that's lost, and here's me that's saved. And I want to find this meeting place because it's not there. It's not there. I've shared my testimony so many times. When I was my last year in high school, and, and all my buddies I had played football with in high school, and we all went to the same little single A school, then we went to uh, the same fraternity at LSU and joined the fraternity. I had prayed to give my life to the Lord. But I was trying to find for about five years of my life that happy medium, that happy meeting place where I could have the Jesus and go to heaven and believe all that, which I did. I actually believed it and believed the Lord. But I wanted to keep all of my lost friends in that part of my life as well. I wanted to try to find this happy meeting place, okay? Now you know it's not there. There's not a happy meeting place. It's you're hot or you're cold. I was lukewarm. What does the Bible say? I'll spew you out of my mouth. I tried and tried to find it. And it's not there. And I thank the Lord, He was patient with me. He was very stern with me, especially right at the end when he, he brought me out of that. But there was a separation where He called me out. And the Lord tested me on that very quickly. Like the next day after I said, Okay, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I'll quit fooling around. I give you my friends. I give you everything. And the Lord put that to a test. And that's okay. You know, we need to be tested and, and strengthened in those areas. But, but the point is that there's a separation and the Bible says if you were to pick up the Bible and begin to read it like a book, any book, you start on page one, the first line, right? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was out without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light and God uh, separated the light from the darkness and the darkness He called night and, and the, the in the day, the light he called day and the evening and the morning were the first day. But it says he saw the light that it was good. And on the first day of creation, the first thing that God reveals about himself in creation is a light and darkness. And God separated the light from the darkness. That is a theme. That is a truth. That is a spiritual reality that we see all through the Bible. It doesn't mean that I'm better than someone else now that I'm born again. It means that I'm born again. And I need to live like it. Christ has saved me. And I don't want to live like He hasn't saved me. I'm not the same man I used to be. I'm a new creature in Christ. I don't want to live like I'm that same creature that didn't know Christ. He saved me. I ought to give Him glory. Amen? I ought to give Him glory and live like I'm born again. And God strengthens me to do that. It is not get out there and do it. He enables us you know, he says, "Apart from me, you can do nothing." But if we'll abide in Him, and His and His Word abides in us. He, he's going to live through us, right? And so the Lord enables us to do it. But <clears throat> I want you to turn. <clears throat> excuse me. We're going to read a couple of passages. We're going to start in Second Corinthians chapter six. Second Corinthians chapter six. I want you to see. To me, this is one of the clearest passages in the New Testament about separation unto the Lord. We probably know this passage or we've quoted part of this at different times in our lives. And we ought to. It's a wonderful passage. (coughs) 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's start in verse 14 and read through the end of the chapter. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So who's he writing to? He's writing to believers. The church at Corinth. They had all kinds of problems in this first epistle? I'm, I'm sorry in the first epistle he rebuked them for the different sins, the carnality, but they were still in Christ. Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? It's a rhetorical question and what communion has light with darkness and what concord has Christ with Belial and that's an, an idol. Or what part has he that believes with an infidel and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols for you are the temple of the living God you are if you're born again okay and I am as God has said I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. I almost don't have to expound on that. It's pretty clear, it's very clear. I thank the Lord for his (coughs) word. But there's no communion with light and darkness, Jesus is the light of the world. Satan is like the prince, of the power of the air, this prince of darkness, and so forth. His kingdom is a kingdom of darkness, uh, of morally sinful and dark, okay? And Christ is the light of the world. There is no fellowship between light and darkness. If you walked in this den in the middle of the night, 1 a.m., and flipped on the light switch, it, it lights it all up. There's not a communion. There's not a fellowship. It's one or the other. And so the Lord's calling us to be separated unto Him. This is not a new thing. And I'm preaching on being separated today because it's what the Lord gave me for our church and for myself. But this is not a new thing. It's not a man-made thing or some kind of, uh, you know man-made decree that we're going to make a bunch of extra rules to follow to take the fun out of life. Being separated unto God and being holy unto the Lord is not something that pastors invented to rob all the joy and suck out all the joy out of life. It is biblical. It's what the Lord's call called us to. And the only real joy you're ever going to experience is when you are fully separated unto God. Because it's a fruit of His Spirit. Love and joy and peace. Can I tell you when I lived that five years of my life in compromise, I was a compromising Christian. If I'd have died, I believe I'd have gone to heaven. But I was not sold out to the Lord in my lifestyle. I was hanging on to things in the world. Okay? God commanded me to come out of that. And can I tell you that was in my whole life, that was the most miserable time of my life. When I didn't know Jesus, I was happier. Okay, and when I've surrendered fully to the Lord I'm fully walking in what God has for me in the joy and the peace that He gives but that time is the worst time if you're there now, come out trust the Lord if you're there right now, come out don't waste your time it's a waste of time and it brings shame to the Lord and you're stunning your growth now God can make up for it He's good but I'm just telling you there's nothing there for you there's not, there's not a place for you. And God has a place for you when you surrender fully to Him. So this is not something, separation from the world, again, it's not an arrogance, it's not something that some religious sect puts upon us to rob all the fun out of life. I've had more fun being knowing Jesus and with people of God and walk with the Lord and going on mission trips and serving God and having peace in my heart and be able to lay on that Bed back there and put my head in the pillow and go to sleep than I've ever had in my life.
1: Thank you, Lord. It's
0: wonderful to know Jesus. It's wonderful to be separated to Him. I've got a long way to go in my growth and maturity and holiness and Christ likeness. God's still working in us, all of us. But the separation is there, and I'm glad it's there. The Lord wants it to be. Okay, so I want you to look at uh, at John chapter 15. We're going to read a couple of passages from chapter 15 and then chapter 17. In John 15, this is where Jesus is getting close to the time of His arrest and His crucifixion. He's getting towards the end of the sermons and the words that He was speaking to His disciples. He was with His disciples at this time, privately, in John 15, verse 18. And look what He says to them. John 15, 18, If the world hate you... Wow, right off the bat. Why is the world going to hate me? You know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you what out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than the Lord. his Lord, If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. What is the deal? We're separated from the world. We're hated from the world. The world doesn't know God. It's plain and simple. They might say they do. They might go to church on Easter morning. They might say, I'm a Christian. I grew up in a Christian family, a Christian nation, whatever it may be. But the reason the world hates us and the followers of Christ is the same reason it hated Christ. And it's because they're not of the world. They don't know the Father. And they don't like it. And they don't like you shining the light upon their darkness for the most part. And there's some people that are, they love it and they're come to it when you show it to them. Thank God. That's how we got saved. Amen? And that's how everybody's going to be saved. But some people hate it. We see it on TV. Stop with all your... Christian morality, we don't want to hear it, right? We don't want it on our college campuses. We don't want it here. We don't want it in, our, uh, in a public arena. We don't want it in a politics. We don't want it in this Capitol House in Washington, D.C. We don't want it. And so let's skip over to chapter 17. <clears throat> Read verse 11 with me. John 17, 11. And now I am no more in the world. He's getting ready to go to the cross and then ascend uh, to the Lord, to, the, to His Father. But these are in the world, His disciples. And I come to Thee, Holy Father. Keep through thy, Thine own name those whom Thou hast given Me, that they may be one as we are one. Now I want us to skip down to verse 14. I have given them Thy Word, and the world hath hated them. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. It actually translated their evil one. They that are not, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth, as thou hast sent me into the world. Now listen to what he says here, as you sent me, Father into the world, even, even so have I also sent them into the world. I remember with Jesus' testimony, the end of his life, which of you <coughs> convinced me of sin? There was there was no nobody could bring a true accusation against the Lord. But after the whole 33 thirty-three and a half years of his life, and, and nail him on some sin that he committed. He was separated to his father. I only do the things I see my father doing. I only say the things I hear my father saying. Only. Okay? And he says, as the Father has sent him into the world, He is sending His disciples. That's us. It's not just these 12 men. And and for their sakes, I sanctify Myself that they also might be sanctified. That's a separation through Thy truth. The Word of God separates us. The truth of God separates us. The Spirit of God separates us. It separates us. The Lord does it. And we need to walk it out in that separation. We don't create the separation and say, I, I decide I'll draw the line here and this will be my separation. No, we give our lives to Christ. He redeems us by His blood. He separates us, and then we walk with Him. We walk in the light as He is in the light. And we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ the Son cleanses us from all sin. We walk in the light as He is in the light. Then we'll be separated from everything we need to be separated from, and we'll be set apart unto Him and everything we need to be set apart unto. Don't go out and try to draw your own line and make. You know how they do this drawing different different just districts for voting. You know, and you look at it like, wow, how they how they come up with that district? You know, it's all shaped. You know, like a, a lizard or something. You know, and and it's like, how do they do that? We don't have to go through life and figure that out. We need to stay with our eyes on Jesus. (laughs) Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Be okay with it. There's a separation. Count the cost and be alright with it, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Don't, and I wasn't alright with it for a period of time in in my life when I sold, the devil's a liar. Can I tell you that? Mm -hmm. He tried to keep me for so long thinking if you sell out to Jesus completely, you won't have a friend in the world. He's a liar. Mm -hmm. But I believed him. And I had my good friends that I'd known since 7th grade, high school, college, same fraternity. And we were buddies and we did everything together. And I thought, if I come out and say I'm a Christian, I'm going to live for God, I won't have a friend in the world. And I listened to the enemy. Don't listen to the enemy. He's a liar. Okay, i got more friends than i ever had. I've got to lead some of those friends to the Lord. I mean, they're going to be in heaven with us. Because the Lord gave me the privilege to come out separate myself and go tell them about Jesus. And they got saved. I mean, what a blessing. It's an awesome thing. But y'all, if, if we are, we're talking about being a healthy church, if we compromise with this world, we're going to lose our power in the sense of our effectiveness for Christ. does not mean you lose your salvation. It does mean that we have weakened. We have lost our effectiveness for Christ. And a lot, there's a lot of times that people want to, and I did it, but we want to compromise to please people. We want to compromise to be liked by people. We want to be comp- we, we want compromise uh, to fit in with people because we don't like drawing attention. We don't want to be the, the one that they ridicule in the workplace or at the family reunions or whatever, you know, or at school. We want to blend in and fit in and god said no come out i'll be with you i'm a friend who sticks closer than a brother see i forgot that when i was living in compromise that jesus will be my friend who sticks closer than a brother and if we'll seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness all these things will be added unto us the devil doesn't want you to know that he wants you to think oh it's going to be like you're going to live like some monk and you're just going to be up on a hillside without a friend or no enjoyments in life. You know, live for God and see what He does for you. He's going to do what His Word says right here. He'll, he promises that He'll be a friend who sticks closer than her brother. But we lose our influence. The church can make a, almost like a treaty or an alliance with, with the world. And it's not what God's called us to do. We're a city set on a hill. It can't be hid, Right? I mean, you've been driving out late, maybe in the west, western U.S. or someplace where there's hills, and you're driving at night, and you might be 35 miles from whatever town you're coming up on, but you can actually see it up there lit up on a hill. That's a good analogy. That's what we are. And that's what God's called us to be. And so we see the, the instead of so much in our day, y'all, We see instead of the church going out and piercing the darkness, like getting out there, rolling up our sleeves, bringing this gospel to people in the midst of their darkness and sin and throwing them a life jacket, okay? A lifesaver, a savior. Um, Instead of doing that, we see the world with its influence coming into the church. And the church... Uh, bowing down and compromising. And before you know it, you'll look at a church and it won't be recognizable as being a church of Jesus Christ. It will be a mixture. It's an unhealthy mixture. It's not a mixture that God created or intended, but it's a blend between the world and the church. And it's a compromise. And there's no power in a compromise. There's just not. There's no power. There's no effectiveness that. Jesus died 100% on the cross. He rose 100%. When you and I gave our lives to Jesus, He purchased me 100%. All of me. My life is His now. Okay? The potter has the, the power over the vessel that He's making to do with it as He will. He wills to be kind and good and merciful. But what is is it to, like Peter, Peter, what do you care about what's going to happen to John? What if I will for John to live to a ripe old age till I come back again? You follow me. And it was okay for both of them. might have a totally different plan for John and Peter. Peter was martyred for the Lord. Okay? John lives to this ripe old age. They tried to kill him and couldn't kill him. And he died on the island of Patmos. But the point is, Then when He purchased us, He purchased us completely. We belong to Him. And so that separation is going to be um, in our lives and in our church. And we don't want the the world to influence our church. We want to influence the world and touch them and, and reach them with the same saving gospel by which we were saved. The same Spirit of Christ, the same conviction of sin in their lives, the same Lord and Savior above all, And it's not going to happen as we blend light and darkness and say, well, we can get a bigger crowd if we do this. That's a trap from the devil. And we can put such a spiritual twist on it, but don't you want more people than they can hear about Jesus? And so we compromise right off the bat to get a bigger crowd when the Lord's already displeased with that and then we can't ever get around to telling them about Jesus and they need to be separated into God because we've got them here now and they came under false pretenses and we've got to keep them happy in their false pretenses and compromise. We don't need to live that way. I'm not pointing my finger at a worldly church. I'm saying that, that God has called us to be separated. And if we're going to have an effectiveness for Christ, there has to be that separation. One more passage I want you to read with me and um, in Matthew <clears throat> Chapter five. We've been sort of referring to it, but I want to read it. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount, and the Lord speaking to his followers. <clears throat> Let's read thirteen through sixteen. We could quote it, I'm sure. But you're the salt of the earth. Matthew five thirteen. But if the salt have lost his savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for what? Nothing but to be cast out to be trodden under the foot of men. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify who? Your Father. Which is in heaven. And so Jesus is the light of the world. If we're born again, he says we're the light of the world only to the extent that we're saved, that Christ is living in us, okay? But it's meant to be that way. Damien at his workplace or or Liz at school or wherever we are, it has to be you are, we're the salt that's sprinkled all over this globe. And you might be the only Christian there or the only one who's really living for God there then live for God there, okay? Live for God. There's a reason He put you where He puts you. Well, oh, I hate all, the day. all these my coworkers there don't know Jesus and they ridicule me and they curse all day long and it's rough. And Well, maybe God's got you there for a reason. Do you pray for Him? Do you pray for an opportunity one-on-one maybe to share the Gospel with somebody there? Maybe it's a test for your own life to see if you'll be faithful and, and keep your eyes on the Lord and so forth. But... When you think about salt, just for a minute, salt, if it's not, if it doesn't have, if it loses what characterizes it as being salt, the savor, the flavor of it, then what is it? I don't think it's just sand, right? I mean, pretty much. I know it's not technically sand, but if you just put sand on your food, uh, that's about what it would be like. If salt has lost its savor or the characteristic that makes it salt, it's good, the Bible says, for nothing. That is like you and I. We're Christians, but we hide our light. There's no saltiness in our life. The Bible says, let your speech be seasoned with salt. Your conversation. If if that characteristic is taken away, even if when I die, I'm going to heaven because I've trusted Christ, but out of my life and lifestyle, then it's good for nothing. You're not going to be working and doing anything for the Lord, certainly. And honestly, the world has no use for you either. The world has no use. Good for nothing. Men cast it out and tried it underfoot. This is my salt. It doesn't have flavor anymore. It's good for nothing. I got a little pothole I need to fill up in my backyard. I'll use it for that. You know what I mean? And that's what our life would be like with without that, what makes us Christians the Spirit of God and our testimony for the Lord. And the way that we follow the Lord and obey Him and obey His Word, it's different than this lost world. That's part of our saltiness. If we lose that... We're good with, for nothing. And that would be an unhealthy church. It would be a church that would be impotent and have no effectiveness in this world for Christ. Not saying we're not Christian, saying so we lo- lose our effectiveness for Christ. Okay? And you'll find yourself getting beat up by the devil every day, and your church being overcome and overrun by the devil. And God's called us to be separated. From that, ye adulterers and adulteresses, as James says, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of this of the world is the enemy of God. Now, that's a strong, strong statement. I didn't make it, the Lord made it. And so, there again, there's calling to be a separation. When we stand with the Lord, though, y'all, we're going to receive all the blessings. There's a joy that comes in walking. You think it would be lonely, but it's not lonely with Jesus, okay? And so you walk with Jesus and you get up every day and say, uh, you know, or come at the end of the day and say, well, Lord, I was ridiculed today. I lost three more friends today because I stood up for you and I gave them the biblical views on salvation or homosexuality or different religions of the world because I believe, you know what I mean? And you share that and I lost more friends today. Lost a promotion today that I would have gotten, and so forth, and and yet there's a peace that God gives and a joy, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. He couldn't put a price tag on it. We don't go looking out, looking to go, be persecuted. We live for God. This persecution will come in different forms, in different ways. My responsibility is to go out and live for the Lord. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. It's a walk. <clears throat> we're going somewhere and we're walking with the Lord. And it's a wonderful thing to love him above all others, to, to obey him above all others, to have him above all, all others. This lost world doesn't know what they're missing. And a compromising Christian doesn't know what they're missing because the devil's made them think that that there's just no life in in a separated life to the Lord, but there is. And, And it's wonderful to be free from the pull of the world. I can't say that I'm there. I don't know if there's one human being that's saved, that's totally free, that never has some longing for something in the world, but to live more and more separated into God to where the world doesn't have that pull on your life anymore. God can help you with that and take that from you. The Bible says we delight ourselves in him. He gives us the desires of our heart. I want to be free from the desire or the pressure to please men, even Christian men. I want to be free from the desire to please this world and to fit in with this world. And and be undivided and separated unto the Lord. And I made this really simplistic, hang on. illustration, all right? All right, I'm gonna shake that up. That's oil and vinegar, okay? Olive oil and red wine vinegar. I don't know if you can see, it's already separating up there. That's how quick that is. That's good on a salad, all right? But honestly, you can already see a total separation, right? That That is light and darkness. God intends for them to be different. He intends for it to be separated. And we can wear ourselves out trying to stay together as a Christian in the world. I don't want to lose one friend, one promotion. I don't want anybody to laugh at me. Nobody to mock me. Nobody to ridicule me. I don't want to miss out on any of the pleasures of this life and the pleasures of sin. I want it all, and I want to go to heaven when I die. And we can try really hard to do that. And God's going to say, no, there's a separation. He'll keep bringing you back to that. And you won't get away from it. I don't care if it's 15 years from now, 5 minutes from now. If you try to live that life, He's going to keep bringing you back to that spot Will you surrender everything to Me. And you won't escape it. I don't care. You can try. You can try to put it out of your mind, but the Lord loves you. You know, men, I'll just speak to the men for a second. You didn't marry your wife so you you could share her with somebody else after you got married. You you married your wife and y'all were separated unto each other. Not that she would still live like she's single. And vice versa for wives marrying their husbands. And God has purchased us with His blood the Lord Jesus has, and we belong to Him. And we belong to Him alone. And the fullness of joy comes in that. I'm not trying to talk you into something unbiblical. I'm not trying to talk you into something that's going to make your life miserable. For the first time, you'll really have that, that peace and all that God wants you to have. His Bible says in that He died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto Him which died for them and rose again. So there is a separation that God's called us to. Amen? We're to close by I have one more Scripture but I also have a quote from Martin Luther, the great reformer that we read about. And I know there were things in his life that were not necessarily we would totally agree with, but God used him mightily uh, to bring a separation. But when he stood before the council, one of the, I have a quote from him, and he was standing before those that are demanding him to recant what he's written and what he believes in propagating. and propagating. He says, I'm, unless I'm convinced by Scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority authority of popes and councils, for they have contradicted each other uh, many times. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I can do I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. There is a separation. The man's like, do what you want. The rubber meets the road right here. Unless the Word of God convinces me otherwise, I will stand here. And God's called us to live a life like that that's separated unto Him from this world. And I want to close by reading the Scripture. In fact, you can turn with me in your Bibles. And dear uh, William, y'all can come. And i uh, turn to First Thessalonians one twelve. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians 1.12. It simply says this, that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. I'm sorry. 2 Thessalonians 1.12. I might have said first. 2 Thessalonians 1.12. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. And you in Him, according to the grace of, of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants to be glorified through your life and through my life and through Cornerstone Church and every other Christian church on this planet. He wants to be glorified. If I'm compromising, I've muddied the picture, I've muddied. I've dimmed the light, He's not glorified through that. He's just like, just let me live. Just let me be the wonderful Savior in God that I am. Just let me fully live through your church. Let me fully live through your life and in your home and in your family. I will bring, it will bring glory to me. We just need to get out of the way. The separation from from the world God's called us to. Dee wrote a song, y'all. And I don't know if she's going to sing it or not. I'm not going to ask her and, and put it upon her, but I just want to read uh, some of it. She can. Well, I'd love for you to. Are you going to sing it? I want you to.
1: I want you to listen. This is our,
0: this is our, our closing prayer. The altars are open. Okay? She wrote this years ago. This song always touched my heart. It always spoke to me. It still speaks to me even though I haven't heard it in a long time. But y'all, the altars are open. You want to come up here. I know there's not a room, there's a lot of room. Walk back here and pray. Get in this little side room. Kneel and go pray over somebody. But let's just meet with the Lord and pray and ask Him. Lord, are there things in my life I'm not separating unto You? Are there things in my life where I'm compromising? your word and in my lifestyle. There are things in our church that aren't pleasing you are glorifying to you. I want I want that life, my life to be separated. Help me, Lord. Bring
1: me out of the darkness. Show me. Forgive me. And just begin to call upon the Lord if you would this morning.